as we go through Matthew, we're kind of taking the slow route through it, but so, we are just focusing on Jesus. Jesus is the center of our faith. He is our reason for being. He's our reason for being here today. And so as we're doing that, we're looking at two main themes. As you'll remember, as we started Matthew, we're looking at the two main themes that Matthew just, like, you can't read it and not see uh, what Matthew is up to. And those two themes are, first and foremost, that Jesus is a continuation of the Old Testament story. Remember, Matthew was writing to a Jewish audience, right? And so we get to look at it through that cultural lens, and we, and we need to do some work in order to understand what Matthew was getting at as he wrote to the Jews in, in the first century. And so we've been thinking about that. Remember, Jesus, if the Old Testament, because so much of the Old Testament just leads and, and, leads and points directly to Jesus, if the Old Testament is the ba-da-da-da-da, Jesus is the ba-ba, right? He is the, he is the conclusion of so much of the Old Testament prophecies. It all points to Jesus. And then the second major emphasis that we've been looking at is the idea of the kingdom of heaven. It is all, oh, it's on every page in Matthew, in every chapter. He is making it glaringly obvious that he's trying to tell his readers, whoever would pick up this book, that Jesus is a king with a kingdom. And this kingdom looks radically different than any kingdom on earth. It looks radically, radically different. Different. It's an upside-down kingdom than what we would expect. It's this kingdom. It's this kingdom where the mourning, the poor, the broken, and the persecuted, in this kingdom, they're the blessed ones. It's this kingdom where each person is given honor and dignity and seen as precious, as made in the image of God himself. And it's this kingdom where relationships, like you and me together, the person sitting across the, the row from you, where those relationships can be pure and restored. And then the relationship with God can be pure and restored. This is the kingdom of heaven. And this is what Jesus was inaugurating in his time on the earth. And we have this glimpse, these, these few short years of Jesus's ministry on the earth that we get to dive into. And it's amazing. And I believe with all my heart, if you would dive into who Jesus is and what he was up to, when he was here, and what he's still up to, you will fall in love with Jesus, and you will want to follow him with everything you've got. At least that was Matthew's goal, and that's certainly my goal, and I love Jesus, and I know many of you do too. There's no book, there's no story, there's no person like the one we're exploring together. There's just no other like it, and I hope that you see Jesus as the Messiah, the king of your life, and he's the only one with the remedy to redeem brokenness, and sin, and hell. He's the Lord of all eternity. So with that in mind, we think that that's pretty good news. Amen? That's really, really good news. And that's why it's called the gospel of Matthew. It's the good news according to Matthew. It's amazing. So that's what we're up to. Uh, Jesus is here to establish a new world and a new kingdom and a new people with new hearts to love him with everything they've got. That's good news, amen? All right, so we're gonna get into the passage. If you brought your Bibles with you, flip open to Matthew chapter 15. And uh, if you didn't bring your Bibles with you, that's okay, but just uh, next week, bring your Bibles. If you don't have a Bible, talk to me. I'll get you a Bible. I would love to have us digging into this word. This is God's word to us, and we wanna have it with us. 
Uh, there will be verses on the screen, but um, bring your Bibles with you. That would be wonderful. Um, so we've journeyed with Jesus uh, and his disciples, and, and we want to recap just a little bit as to where we've been for the last couple weeks with Jesus. We see in chapter 14 that Jesus's cousin John, John the Baptist, he's beheaded by Herod, and Jesus, he's, he goes from there, and he's looking for a, he's looking for a quiet place. He, he just wants to retreat. He, he, was, he was touched and, 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 and saddened by this, by this news. But by this point, Jesus' fame as a, as a healer and a preacher is starting to spread in, in Galilee where he, was, where he was living. I mean, he's going to place to place. He's casting out demons. He's preaching the good news of the, this upside-down kingdom, and people are just eating it up, and they're, and they're loving it. So when... Instead of actually trying, instead of getting away like they had intended, um, thousands of people come to Jesus as they try to get away. And he, it says that Jesus has compassion on the crowds and he heals their sick. So he's, he's spending days just ministering, healing. And then not only that, but then as uh, Chris Jansen preached uh, a couple of weeks ago, uh, he then feeds 5,000 plus people with five loaves of bread and two fish. He performs this amazing, amazing miracle. And from there, he goes and he gets a little bit of an overnight like prayer retreat, but it's not with the Father, but it's not really much of a break because in the middle of the night, we see him walking on water to his disciples who are absolutely freaked out. So we see this Jesus guy and he's doing ministry and he's just going full steam and, and, and he's just amazing and he's loving people so well. He has so much compassion on these crowds. And then they land in, in the boat in a place called Gennesaret, and he heals more and more people, as we saw. And then, and then it goes, and the Pharisees are upset about this. And the Pharisees start grilling Jesus, and he has these constant, remember these Pharisee guys, they just, the religious leaders of the day, they keep having this friction between Jesus as he's ministering. And so Jesus has just been on and on and on. And, and he... He was, he was a man. He was God, but he was man. He would have felt the tiredness of this ministry. And so he was going, and he's running into all of these things. And now we come to Matthew chapter 15, starting in verse 21. It says, and Jesus went away from there. There's this shift that's happening. So he's, he's leaving where he just was. He went away from there and withdrew to the district of Tyre and Sidon. Now, this is a massive shift that's happening. Uh, to us, this is just a little narrative because we're like, okay, he left that place and went to another place. But in the original readers reading this, this would have meant a lot. Oh, yes, I have a map for us today. I hope you enjoy my artistic skills. Look at this. Technology, I think. Whew. Fancy. Yeah, no, please don't. No. <laughs> So Jesus has been, so this is the, this is ancient Israel in the time of Jesus. Can you tell? Really obvious. So this whole section here with the blue squiggles is the Mediterranean Sea. This is the Sea of Galilee. This is the Jordan River. And this is the Dead Sea way down here. So we have Bethlehem, it rings a bell, right? We have Jerusalem way down here, Nazareth up here. 
and we have Gennesaret and Capernaum. We've, so Jesus has been traveling kind of in this region of Galilee in Jewish territory, okay? This is really important for us today. I'm sorry, you guys probably can't see over there. But this green marker, it's probably hard to tell on a screen, but this green section here, all of this is Jewish territory. And now that doesn't mean much to us maybe today, but that's a really, really big deal in those days. You don't leave that territory. And if you do leave that territory, you're entering enemy territory, okay? So Jesus has been doing all of his ministry, all of these healings, all of this stuff. They've been kind of circling around in Galilee so far, him and his disciples, and they've been making quite a stir. There's been thousands of people, right? And then they've been traveling on the Sea of Galilee. Doing, We've been following that. But at this point, Jesus went away from there, from Gennesaret, where they were, and he went up to Tyre and to Sidon. So that would have been about... 35-mile journey, and then another 15 uh, to Sidon from there. So we're talking a 50-mile journey. They didn't have SUVs. And, and then this is modern-day Lebanon, where we get the famous cedars of Lebanon idea, right? And so what we see Jesus doing is he's withdrawing, and, and which territory did he enter? He entered Gentile territory, enemy territory, Territory that if you would interact with those types of people, if you were a Jew, you were unclean. It was improper for you to be in that place. But Jesus withdrew to that place. So the crowds from this area would not have been following him. So he does this, a bit of a trek. And it's amazing that scripture doesn't actually open up for us very much what happened on this trek. Most scholars uh, believe that it would have been a week or two There's just this time frame where we don't see very much of what is happening here. So we find Jesus and we find his disciples on this long trip in some pretty wild country. It's very mountainous and there's big cedar trees and and it just sounds like the place where I would want to be if I was feeling pretty busy and, and, and had just been going, 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 going. I would probably want to withdraw to some mountainous, wonderfully forested place, right? Many of us, many of us do that. And it kind of sounds like what we might do today after an intense period of time that these guys had been traveling and teaching and healing and the everyday interactions of life. Um, His disciples, they were watching everything that Jesus was doing and he was masterfully teaching them the ways of the kingdom. Well, that has not ended Um, it kind of sounds like Jesus is taking his disciples on an intensive corporate retreat, if you will. And what we, lots of scholars have pointed out, we see the disciples' reactions coming out of this trip in very different ways. And and so these disciples, I, I believe, and it could be wrong, that these disciples, this was an intensive training for Jesus to retreat to the wilderness and train up his disciples. But today we see an interesting story as we dig into this story. Um, Jesus is, is doing this masterclass of teaching, and he's about to bring his disciples into a massive shift in their social worldview and, and into the views of this kingdom of heaven. 
So let's read it together. I'm going to actually have it all on the screen. So they, they're, they're in this region of Tyre and Sidon. So this would have been Syria. This would have been Phoenicia. There you go. That's all I'll do for today for nerding out on map stuff. I think it matters for us because we just don't get it. But here, behold, a Canaanite or a Syrophoenician woman from that region came out and was crying, have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely oppressed by a demon, but he did not answer her a word. And his disciples came and begged him, saying, send her away, for she's crying out after us. He answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But she came and knelt before him, saying, Lord, help me. And he answered, it is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. She said, yes, Lord, yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered her, O woman, great is your faith. Be it done for you as you desire. And her daughter was healed instantly. So first of all, what just happened? This is a passage that so many, we just don't know what to, what just happened? Was Jesus just being an absolute jerk in this passage? Did we, did we literally just read Jesus calling this woman a dog and making her work and work just to beg for healing for her daughter when he'd been healing a whole bunch of people already? Well, any time that we have a passage that just we struggle with, we're not sure how to fit it into what's going on, we have to first pray for wisdom uh, from the Holy Spirit that, we could op- that he would open up the word to us. And of course, vital to this, we must think of the entire scope of Scripture. We have to think of the rest of the Bible and not just this one little story. And so then we can get a better understanding of what's going on. If we just took this passage and we forgot what we already read for the first 15 chapters, it would be extremely troubling this, what Jesus just did does not seem right. In fact, it doesn't even seem like Jesus anymore. But you guys are responsible, and you're going to do the work, right, with me this morning. I'll help you along this morning. Um, we're, we're, we're going to go through this. Remember where Jesus is. Remember, this is really important. Remember where Jesus is. He's in, he's in Gentile territory. And he's, I mean, talking to a woman in public in those days was already off limits for a rabbi in Jewish culture, and that's what Jesus was. Never mind a Gentile. So it's like a double whammy. But has Jesus spoken to women yet in the Gospel of Matthew? Have we ever seen that happen? Have we seen? Yeah, we have seen it happen. We totally have seen it happen. Yeah, and has he spoken to a Gentile yet in Matthew? Yeah, yeah, he has. He, remember, he healed the Roman's servant. I mean, that's like the Roman occupation. That's Israel's enemy. He, he, he talked to that guy, and he healed that guy's servant. He spoke to, remember, the unclean woman who reached and touched the fringe of his cloak, and he healed her, and he spoke to her and called her daughter. Your faith has made you well. He calls her daughter. So then what's the deal here, Jesus? Like, this doesn't even... This doesn't even fit. This doesn't even make sense. But, but we, need, we need to make sure that we get this right. Because of Jesus' track record of giving humans dignity 
and honor, no matter their background or their brokenness, his response here does not seem to fit. He's in a foreign land, and then somehow word has spread that this great healer is here, but more than a healer. This woman clearly has heard of Jesus, clearly comes to him expecting something, but what does she call him? She calls, her, she calls him her Lord. She calls him the son of David. That was, we've looked at this, the son of David, that rightful king. She comes and admits that he is the Messiah. She's, she's, how does she even know what to expect that? But she comes and declares who Jesus is as Lord and the Messiah, the son of David, the rightful king. This woman, this woman sees Jesus for who he is. And she trusts in what he's capable of. She trusts and puts her faith completely in what he's capable of doing. And in desperation, she cries out to him. And then Jesus does something we would never expect. First thing he does is he ignores her. Jesus just flat out ignores her for a little bit. She's crying out for for help and and Jesus ignores her. And and here's what I think is actually a big test. And it's it's two-sided. It's a test both for, for this woman, but I think much more for the disciples. Remember the, who was in tow. These disciples, these Jewish guys that would have grown up and had a complete mindset that if you left this region and were up in here, you don't have to do anything nice to those people. You take care of this region, that region, no, not a chance. The Messiah certainly would not come for them. But what Jesus is doing is he's going to be teaching them through this interaction with this woman, some really big lessons. And so Jesus actually here, as he is ignoring this woman, he's treating this woman exactly as the disciples would have expected. Exactly as everybody in the culture would have acted and expected a rabbi to act. And so the disciples come up to Jesus and they say, you know what, that lady, she's getting really, really annoying. You just get rid of her already. And Jesus' reply is curious to us because I would expect Jesus to just say, you guys are wrong, healed. But that doesn't happen. This is what Jesus says. This is what Jesus says. He answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Now, we've already read that that is the plan of Jesus. He is here for Israel, and that was his, that was his plan. And then at the end of Matthew, the very end of Matthew, he, he sends his disciples to go to the ends of the earth, right? So he's not wrong in saying that. But what he's doing is he's, he's doing a masterful test and teaching with his disciples. And so Jesus says this, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But the woman persists, and she says, Lord, please help me. And then he answers again, second interaction. It is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. That is just so harsh. Doesn't it sound so harsh? It is so harsh, and it was meant to be harsh. It is harsh. And it's not even like dogs in, in that culture weren't even like our, our cute little fluffy uh, dogs that we pamper and buy sweaters for nowadays. Like they were filthy and, 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 and 
they weren't they weren't the same. So this is like a low blow. But that's exactly what people in this region would have thought of people in this region. Jesus is using an idea and a thought that was very common. He was very even maybe even a common phrase that those dogs don't deserve what God would give his chosen people, right? And so Jesus is playing into their expectation as, as this line seems to be degrading this, this Gentile woman. But then he was going to flip it in just a moment. And I think it's amazing because that's actually the woman's response as she passes this test. That's amazing. This woman responds. She says, yes, Lord. She doesn't even like get upset and throw something in his face. She admits, she's, she's like, yes. So clearly there's this understanding that this is a common thing. Yes, Lord. Yet, even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. This woman was willing to be humiliated and humbled. And she had the exact same expectation as the disciples did about being lesser than, about being a dog, about being the dirt, of, of, according to the Jews. And she is willing to go there. But she is certain. She is certain that this man, this Jesus, is the Messiah. And he is the only hope. He's the only hope for her daughter. So she's going to just say, whatever you got, I will take. And then Jesus shows his true compassion. And he says, woman, great is your faith. Be it done for you as you desire. And I can just imagine the disciples standing there like, what just, <laughs> what, what just happened? And Jesus is teaching them as they're walking. And it says, and her daughter was healed instantly. That is, that is amazing. And it's shattering this paradigm that his disciples would have had for their Messiah. The Messiah was supposed to come and redeem Israel and make Israel a world superpower and make everything better for the Jews. That was their thought. And yet this woman's faith, this Gentile woman's faith in Jesus, we are still talking about her 2,000 years later. Jesus, in that moment, he was actually, again, fulfilling more Old Testament promises. And it's one of the biggest Old Testament promises. This is God, Yahweh, speaking to Abraham as he's promising Abraham way back in Genesis. He says, In your offspring shall all the nations of the earth be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. This is God's plan. He chose the nation of Israel to be a blessing to the nations of the earth. He chose them to bless them that other nations would see that their God is the one true God and they, they would glorify the one true God. And it was always God's plan to bless the nations through Israel. So Jesus, Jesus then, he journeys on from that place with the disciples in tow. And we're told that he comes back to the Sea of Galilee. And then as you cross-reference a few things and do a little bit of context and you go to Mark chapter 7, which we're not going to do because of time's sake, they come on back and they're back uh, they were kind of home base in Capernaum for a long time. And then it says they go down to the Sea of Galilee. But where did they go? In Mark 7, it says they go to the region of the Decapolis. So that means 
down in this here brown stripy spot over here. And that is Gentile territory. And so what Jesus does is he does this massive lesson with these disciples. I'm not sure. It doesn't tell us if they got it or not. I'm thinking they probably didn't based on what happens next. They come back down and they go to the other side of the lake. So they've been hanging out on the west side and they've been having a good time healing and uh, throwing parties and thousands of people and, and it's been a good time. But that's for the Jews. And so the disciples and Jesus now, they come into the east side and like, that's the other side of the lake. We don't go to that side of the lake. It's an east side, west side thing happening here and Jesus lands over here. And so if you have your Bibles... Matthew 15, we're going to keep reading because I, Matthew has this in order for a good reason for us. So he comes into the region of Decapolis and then it tells us that he's healing many, many people. And it sounds exactly like what he's been doing uh, throughout his ministry in Israel. He's healing a whole lot of people, the lame, the blind, the crippled, the mute, and many others. He's healing them on the mountainside. It says that they saw the mute speaking, the crippled healthy, the lame walking, and the blind seeing, and they glorified the God of Israel. They glorified the God of Israel. These were non-Israelites, Gentile people, glorifying Yahweh, the God of Israel. Nowhere else do we read, and they glorified the God of Israel. They glorified God. Well, you wouldn't need to specify which God when you're in this green section. Because God is, Yahweh is God. We're Jewish. We get it. But when you're on the east side of the lake, people come with all sorts of gods, all sorts of religious backgrounds stuck in darkness. And yet when Jesus was healing, they were found glorifying the God of Israel. Of Israel. Jesus is still teaching. They didn't have to specify which God was being worshipped in Jewish territory, but here they did. Here it was important to note who they were worshipping. I can just imagine again the disciples in tow with their, just their minds and their whole paradigms just being shifted and destroyed in this moment. Like, what is happening? Well, it's, what's happening is it sounds like Jesus is practicing what he, he's been preaching all along. You know, for the disciples, it was much easier to accept the Messiah healing their own people. It would have been way easier to, to believe that. But en masse, to, like, to the same degree in the Decapolis and in Tyre and Sidon, like, that just doesn't work. To the Gentile dogs, remember, to the Gentile dogs is what they thought. Then Jesus called his disciples to him. I love this. He's just always teaching. It's not just his words, it's his actions. Jesus calls his disciples to him, and he says, I have compassion on the crowd because they have been with me. Okay, pause there. Did we, did we say the exact same thing? Matthew says the exact same thing when he's on this side of the lake. I have compassion on the crowds because they've been with me a while, right? And he has compassion on the east side, too says, I have compassion on the crowd because they have been with me now three days and have nothing to eat, and I am unwilling to send them away hungry, lest they faint on the way. And so then we time out, and we're like, wait a second, this sounds super familiar. 
It sounds like in, in my Bible, it's literally the same open page. You just look back a little bit, and Jesus was saying the same stuff. And he fed the 5,000. And so then here's where we just want to reach back in history and be like, disciples, this is a setup. It's a setup. Pay attention. Jesus is doing the same thing here. Pay attention. But look at their response. Look at the disciples' response. The disciples said to him, where are we to get enough bread in such a desolate place to feed so great a crowd? For real? That's what we often read this. They're like, are you serious? Do you remember like two weeks ago when he fed 5,000 people? Are you kidding me? That's where our minds go. And then we think, where are they? Where are they? They're on the east side of the lake. I actually think there's no way they forgot about what happened on the west side. They just had no paradigm, no thought in their head that Jesus would ever do that for the east side. That, they would, that he would ever touch that east side in that way. And he's doing the exact same thing that he did a couple weeks ago for the Jews. He's doing the exact same thing. Man, they would have been talking about that feeding of the 5,000 for a long time afterwards. Can you imagine being there? And you, that was like a story you tell your grandkids. Ah, I was there when Jesus fed 5,000 people. It was amazing. You know, one of, it's one of those stories. They wouldn't have forgotten about that. But they were so steeped in their cultural divisions and looking at the Gentiles as dogs that it never crossed their mind that Jesus would do the same thing on the east side. They would ne- he would never, the Messiah would never do that kind of a massive miracle over there. It's the other side. The other siders don't get the Messiah. We do. But man, how Jesus was teaching them. So Jesus, he takes what they have. And after they have seven loaves and a few small fish, he breaks the bread and he gives it to the disciples and they pass it to over 4,000 people. And Jesus, in breaking the bread and passing it to over 4,000 people, indeed gives bread to the dogs. In that moment, that's what he's doing. He just said it is not right to take from the children and give to the dogs the bread. But in this moment, Jesus literally, as a picture of teaching, takes bread and gives it to who the disciples would have said are dogs. And in that moment, he is teaching them that there's always enough in the kingdom and that all are going to be welcomed in. All are going to be welcomed into this kingdom. He feeds the multitudes in the Decapolis just like the multitudes in Galilee. There's always enough in the kingdom. Amen? There's always enough in the kingdom. Amen? There's always enough. And the disciples, they get a master class here on his mission for the kingdom. It's a global movement that Jesus is after. It's a global movement of freedom and reconciliation and generosity through the ministry of Jesus. And this took Jesus to the cross. Yes, for Israel, absolutely. God's chosen nation to bless the world and for all mankind as well. Hallelujah. Amen. So are you ever in circumstances, let's make this about us for a second, because we've done the cultural study and we're like, oh, those disciples, can you believe their answer? 
Um, are you ever in situations, are you ever in circumstances that Jesus may just be trying to teach you something that you are stubbornly stuck on? And he'll throw things into your life, and if you're not careful, like those disciples, you'll miss it, and you'll stay there, and you'll be like, Jesus, what's wrong with you? Or you willingly pay attention and you see what he's doing around you. You stop and say, I have my ideas. I have what I think is perfect in the world and I got it all figured out. No, you don't. <laughs> None of us do. Are you willing to pay attention and see what he's doing around you despite your preconceived notions, despite your prejudices, and then filter everything through this word and through the way of Jesus? Are you looking for the work of the kingdom for all? Or are you looking for the work of the kingdom for yourself? Are you looking to be a vessel that the Lord would use to bring his kingdom? Because these disciples, they were, at this point already, they had been casting out demons themselves. They had been preaching the good news themselves. Yet they were still along for the ride, being taught some big lessons. So are you. Are you in it just for the benefit of the kingdom, or are you in it to be a part of something much bigger than yourself, a part of the movement of Jesus saving lives all over the world? This is just a little bit, because Jesus in his ministry on the earth, he doesn't go to the nations, but his intent was that these disciples would take it. And so he's teaching them ahead of time some really big, important truths here. So many times I have, I have gone through circumstances, crazy things uh, that I, I've only been able to look back at. And now sometimes in the moment, because wisdom comes as you get uh, yourself in trouble a few times, the disciples didn't make the same mistakes all the time. And we don't either. But so many times I've looked back and I have seen Jesus' purpose in breaking certain things in me that needed to be broken and reshifting my mindset on things that really needed to be reshifted. And so we stand on the word, amen? amen? And we allow Jesus to teach us. Jesus is a master teacher. He teaches, yes, through his teaching, yes, through his words, yes, through his word, and also in your day-to-day -day life. In each and every circumstance, we can ask Jesus what he's up to, and we can align our hearts with his as we are eager to walk in step with his spirit. And that's a beautiful thing that we get to do that. He is gracious and kind. We get to learn to respond like him. We get to learn church, oh man, like I'm not getting into it this morning, but we get an opportunity here right now to be gracious and kind, compassionate and merciful, not judgmental or condemning, but it takes pausing and it takes asking Jesus what his heart is. Jesus, what's your heart in this situation? We walk with him, and we talk with him, and we have this insight. We have this insight in, in, in his word, and we glean from others in our church and, and wise counsel, and it's a wonderful journey. And at the end of it, I'm just in awe of Jesus. Are you in awe of Jesus? He's amazing. He's amazing. So I, I'm just going to ask that you bow your heads. I'll invite the worship team up, but we're just going to take a moment to pause and pray.
And I'm going to ask the Lord some questions, and I'm going to ask that he would bring some things to mind. So if you would bow your heads and close your eyes. Lord Jesus, you are, you are amazing. I think of just your ways and how unlike ours they are, and they're, and they're life. You have the words of life. Jesus, there, there's a lot of different areas for each one of us where we would look at people and say they're on, they're on the other side. They're not on the same side as us. Jesus, right now, I pray that you would open our hearts and our eyes, open our minds to understand some of those places that we hold in our hearts right now. Jesus, where do we see an other side? Jesus, where have we been blind to what you're trying to do? Well, if the Lord's impressing something on your heart, I just invite you right now. You can repent of that right now. Say, Jesus, I was wrong. Just in your heart right now. Jesus, I was wrong. I'm sorry. I see your goodness in this moment. To love that person. To love those people. And then just pray in your heart right now. Pray a blessing over those people. Ask that the Lord would encounter them and bless them right now. Yes, Jesus. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Hey, we're a bunch of others sitting here today. And you welcomed us by your blood by your grace. And as we sing this last song, Lord, may it be with thankful hearts. Thankful hearts for who you are and what you